Hello everyone, welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen. Here we have a double feature. It feels like it's been a little while, Janine, since we had a double feature on Morgan Hasn't Seen, but they come around every now and again. Yeah. It's always interesting, it's always exciting when they do, because we are, of course, in the middle of our Nicolas Cage series. Mm-hmm. There's two pretty big major studio movies, Disney movies, that Nicolas Cage did in the 2000s surrounding conspiracy theories and American history. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. I'm not even going to call these movies the National Treasure movies because that is what they actually are, but I'm going to call them the let's get really excited about all this ancient history that because it's the US is 200 years old and not actual ancient history (laughs) before a thousand years old uh, you know earlier than a thousand years old like we have here so (laughs) well you know there's like a (laughs) that's gonna be a long thing to constantly call these movies um also (laughs) I don't know if you're aware of several memes going. It's like the trending meme that I've seen of people basically making fun of the British Museum because they just steal a bunch of shit that's not British. I will hold my hands up that it's entirely what the British Museum is. It is. Britain is a, a horrendous evil in world history. And literally the British Museum is full of things from all over the world that the British Empire stole. That is a fact. I'm not disputing that fact. What I am disputing, well not really disputing, but what I am um, and what I always find hilarious is when, uh, and it's it's entitled hilariousness really, I suppose from me living in a part of the world that obviously has a, a, an incredibly rich uh, written history, uh, you know, of, of centuries and millennia yeah. at this point. Um, the US doesn't, North America doesn't, because the Native Americans didn't write things down. <laughs> or if they did, it was all burned and got all rid destroyed. of when yeah. Europeans went over and, and were just terrible to them. As we all know, they were. Yes. Um, so maybe there is, maybe there's far more rich history that is completely lost to time because of stupidity. Perhaps there is. But while I am very interested and very much into US history, American history, I always found it hilarious when traveling over there, going you know, around places like Philadelphia and and, and Boston and, you know, colonial places in Virginia and things like this, that American tourists from other parts of the US would be absolutely fascinated by something that was 100 years old. Yeah. Which was just bizarre to me because, well, like... (laughs) That's not a huge amount of history if you think about it. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not. You know, I I could go quite easily and outside look outside of this house and see things that are over one hundred years old. 
you know, other houses. A tree or go to... <laughs> a barn or something. Well, yeah, I could go to somewhere that's centuries and centuries old, five minutes away. You know, it's things like that that I think are very much taken for granted, to be honest with you, in Europe, yeah. um, mainland Europe and in Britain, that when you do go to the US and when you do go to US historical sites and everybody's saying, well, this is from 1890. And you're just like, well, yeah. <laughs> And 1890, I mean, come on, that's not that old, is it? That's the Industrial Revolution. That's pre, that's, sorry, not pre, that's post the Industrial Revolution. That's barely history. Well, this was a good movie, I think, to choose, because I know you um, are an avid uh, fan of history and know much more about all types of history than me. So I'm, I'm really well, curious to get your, how, how that um, impacted your, your viewing and your feelings on these movies. So I've spent the first five minutes of this episode <laughs> playing a big Giving... joke, really, because <laughs> I am very much into this kind of history. I'm very much into us history. I just, I, I do find it fascinating though, to, to go and see, you know, things that are considered very, very, very old that we here when we talk about history just wouldn't consider that old at all. That old at all, yeah. Um, it's it's a real stark difference. Um, but it's still a fascinating area. And these two movies that we'll be talking about today, National Treasure and National Treasure Book of Secrets, are an American history lover's dream, really. As far as a major movie goes, I mean, there's not really... And I mean major movie in the sense that it's not a biopic or a, or a direct historical movie or something like that. It's literally, like, you go and watch these in, like, history class. You will learn a lot about yeah. various, you know, types of things. And yes, okay, the movies are full of conspiracies and Freemasons and Knights Templar and all that kind of stuff. And yes... Yeah. These organizations existed, of course they did. Whether they actually did all the secretive things everybody always seems to think they do, we don't know, do we? This is what intrigues people. This is what makes people think there is secrets um, yeah. in, in history and that are you know clues to ancient riches and treasure that is exactly what we're dealing with in both of these movies. Yes, but I think there's an effort also to make these things feel plausible. Even though they're maybe oh, a little bit fantastical, and they're they are based in things that that are real in history, so I like I like how this movie is able to kind of work uh, to make you feel like this could be a real thing that happened. I do think some conspiracy theories are dangerous to think about and believe, though. Yeah, um, that's fair. because you just you you end up really sounding like a complete a completely insane person. Um, stuff like this with secret organizations that did exist, though, why not? Why yeah. not think that? Because really, nobody's ever going to know anyway. Yeah, and it it's it's an interesting layer to put on to something that's already quite intriguing um, in terms of ancient brotherhoods of of people. 
Um, I mean, certainly the Knights Templar are a little bit older. Um, f- fair few centuries. I mean, Knights Templar probably goes back to, I think, the 1400s originally, yeah. I think, as far as I can vaguely remember. Um, but I, I, let's not just ramble and waffle on about random little nuggets of history, Janine, like I'm likely to do. Please stop me from doing <laughs> that over the course. Oh, you're of educating this me. <laughs> I'm not even educating it. I'm rambling and trying to vaguely remember things is what I'm doing. And I don't well, that's want more to than I am capable of doing. But um yes. I actually um... want to talk about these movies <laughs> as as pretty great action adventure movies that they both are. I mean they're really quite they're very, very watchable movies. They're very, very entertaining. They're fun and, movies. you know, have that bit of a Indiana Jones element as well. So they really um, do. I just mean, it's like a real world as... historical adventure. And they're fun. Yeah. They're very, very similar to Indiana Jones. And I don't think they are quite as clean and, and polished and kind of. They're a little bit sillier than the, mm-hmm. the, the Indiana Jones movies. You know, they're not as real quality movie making or you know kind of perfect heroic acting because Nicolas Cage is our action adventure hero which isn't necessarily something you think he is and he's no comparison to Indiana Jones really well, is I mean, he I don't, I... he's just <laughs> in terms of I mean, action adventure in, maybe... in intelligence I think he is. Well, in I knowledge, mean, he probably is. In this phase of his career, I don't think he's really known as much of that. But I mean, earlier, like definitely in the 90s, you had The Rock, you had Face Off, you had um, Congress, you did have okay. the action. Yes, yes. So I wouldn't dismiss but, the action element of Nicolas Cage, because he was definitely a huge staple in that uh, genre for, for a hot minute, so... Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I don't, I don't dismiss that. I just uh, the the I adventure think was maybe, side of it. Yeah, it's the adventure side of it. It's the kind of easygoing nature. There's nothing easygoing about Nicolas Cage, practically ever, apart from in It Happened to You, which we talked about to open this series. There's absolutely nothing <laughs> easygoing. Yeah, ninety percent of the time about him. Which is, I think, what you need in something in a, in a major action adventure seat movie series. Um, but I really did find myself really getting into these movies, really getting into the history of both of them, um, becoming a little bit intrigued about the conspiracies that are being discussed. You know, based <laughs> around the the all seeing eye yeah. and the Masonic clues and symbols for ancient treasure that ends up underneath somebody's tomb and it's all clues adding to clues and further clues until you finally reach the last clue and then you realize oh it's just another clue but it all comes round in <laughs> yes you sound like nice john voight <laughs> do john voight is is pretty good in this movie to act as the kind of I'm not really sure what's going on. I'm kind of half into it, but it all seems a little I've bit become very messy. cynical about it. Yeah, you know, I was into and it. I, my father, yeah. my father uh, got me into these things, and over time, I've just 
fallen off because I haven't seen any real truth behind it. I haven't seen any real proof. Uh, so Christopher Plummer, father, I don't believe in it anymore. It's just a pipe dream. So he, he gets nice very kind of cynical. It was nice to see Christopher Plummer show up as uh, Nick Cage's granddad as well yeah. at the very beginning of the first yeah. movie when, when he's a young kid. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, that was nice. I liked that. Yeah. What's his, is his name like John Adams Gates or something like that as well? They all have founding fathers' names, don't they? Yeah. Benjamin. I think. <laughs> is, he, is he not Patrick. actually called like Benjamin Franklin Gates? Gates, yeah. Yes. Which is just, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit extra, really, but. Well, but. Why not? Why not? <laughs> um, there is something we, we should be doing. Yeah. Before we get yes. into our major discussion, please. This is why I insist you must stop me from rambling and waffling. <laughs> well, the, <time>. <laughs> the thing we have to do before we get deep into the show is say a huge thank you to our national treasures. Oh, our yes. <laughs> lovely It's a Wonderful Podcast patrons. Uh, each week on one of our shows, we shout them out and give them a thank you for all of their support. We certainly do, because we can't do what we do without their generous support, and we love them all dearly. And of course, we want to start by saying a big thank you to Marie Zambino. And thank you, Adam Witt. Thank you to Michael Smith. Thank you, Maxwell Haddad. Thank you, Amber Coates. Thank you, Abby Friel. Thank you to Faraz Muthana. Thank you, 90s Comics Box, a.k.a. my big brother, Justin. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you, Tina Farrell. Thank you to Marcus Burton. Thank you to Movie Fenobi Steve. Thank you to Samia Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you to Calafis. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsack. Thank you to Tom and Kimber of the Odd Shape Channel. Thank you, Eric Garcia. And thank you to Billy Pollahan. Yes. We, 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 we love the patrons. Applause for the patrons, applause for the movies, mm -hmm. as we often like to say, because the movies do deserve applause. And while I think that the first one is, is, I think, cleaner than the second one, I think the second one does get a little bit too far-fetched at times. It does. Like, I mean, kidnapping the president. and <laughs> It's ki it's the kidnapping the president. And I know the first one's all about, let's steal the Declaration of Independence. Um, and that's a pretty far-fetched concept. It is. But I think the first one has a little bit of a... And it's st a strange thing to say when you think about the second movie actually being about one of Nick Cage's ancestors in the movie, one of Ben Yeah, Gates it's about kind ancestors. of clearing, clearing uh, their ancestors' name. Because, you know, allegedly one of their ancestors was a conspirator in, in Abraham Lincoln's assassination. Yeah. Yet the first movie, for me, felt more personal than the second movie did. And I think it's got a lot to do with who our villain is in the first movie and who, <laughs> you know, he is set up to be. Because he's yeah. set up to be an old ally. He's set up to be an old treasure hunting friend yeah seen bean who betrays them and it's sean bean who is obviously <laughs> wonderful as these kind of 
Betrayers. Yes, that very very similar (laughs) to to a a familiar Bond character he played. But yeah, I think um, his character Ian is somebody who, uh, at a time when no one really was believing Ben, and he was kind of drowning in trying to, you know, do this exploring. Ian, you know, was the money man who came in and helped him finance. going on this trek to to find these clues so he's kind yeah. of the money finance guy who, who came in and helped yeah because really that first one is all about just finding knights templar treasure it's just finding yes. treasure it's just a it's a treasure map that is in this strange sort of invisible text on the back of the declaration of independence yes of course it is but the first step of that is uh, a piece of scroll that was given to a young, uh, I think, one of his descendants. Like, uh, um, I think was it was his name Benjamin Gates as well. I don't remember. Um, uh, one of the Knights Templar gave left him with just this clue that said the secret lies with Charlotte. So it's ah uh, yes, yes 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 so in the whole uh, kind of flashback story that his grandfather Christopher Plummer is telling him as a child is telling him this story of uh, one of the knights about to die and he gives it to his like page boy um, who was their relative squat uh, yes and, and and gives him this this clue on a piece of paper and he didn't even know what it meant or explain it to him so. Um, it was kind of the the kicking off point of him for years now after this, you know, going into his adulthood, trying to figure out the clue of the secret lies with Charlotte and what that means um, in terms yeah. of finding this treasure. So then somehow, maybe... <laughs> somehow our Ben Gates, Nicholas Cage, is, is able to just figure a lot of these clues out. I mean, he's set up as an incredibly well-versed historian on American history. Yeah. Like, there's no basically nobody who knows more in the entire yeah. <laughs> country than him. So I love that it's kind of like a running joke between him and uh, Riley, his assistant, kind of, who, who's brought in to be the tech guy and and yeah. uh, help him on that end of things. Um, and so when Riley thinks he's coming in with some information, like, Ben already knows it and, like, shuts him down. Yeah. So I like that kind of running gag of him. And then it gets to a point where Riley actually knows something that he doesn't, and so he feels very smug and, like, just enjoys it. He's like, let me just enjoy this for a minute, that I know something that you don't. <laughs> the, I do I do like that. I do like that. <laughs> I also just like how clearly they set up Ben Gates as this kind of robotic intelligence of American history because when he does seemingly out of nowhere figure out some of these clues and what they mean and what they're referencing and all this kind of stuff you are able to suspend your disbelief and just think well you're not going to understand that but you are sat there watching it thinking 
Yeah, fair enough. Right, okay, carry on. Yeah, so I like that we do see him kind of working through things out loud. So, you know, we have to assume that, like, after his grandfather telling him this story as a child, he spent his life studying, becoming this historian, and in the meantime, really trying to break down this clue and figure it out. So this was years of him trying to figure out yeah. what this secret lies with Charlotte meant. So then when we meet him as an adult, he's trekking through the snow with Ian funding kind of this trek, and Riley there with the kind of uh, tech, you know, you know, mapping and trying to find the location because they do believe that Charlotte is a ship and um, the remains are found in, in this area. And um, so we have to assume that, yeah, this is years of him trying to figure this out and he got to that solution. Um, so they do find the ship and go into the ruins of it and they find this pipe. And so he's trying to work through what the clue means so he's able to kind of take the pipe apart and realize that there's some type of um writing that he can uh get with like freemason symbols and things like that so we see him kind of once they get the clue in words um we see him kind of working through it and and breaking down what each phrase means and what line means and um so yes. once we kind of see his process of trying to figure things out and how quickly he gets to the point i like that and that is what makes it i think more believable for us to to um his, see his knowledge because we're seeing him actively break it down so yeah definitely and let's call it what it is as well i think they're very plotty movies <laughs> in terms of you kind of move from one... It's it's like a quest movie, isn't it? Uh, a hero's quest type of movie. This is w what it is, and you're moving from clue to clue to clue, almost a, as though it's an ancient Greek myth, and you're going from, you know, monster to monster to monster on your quest to find something. Yeah. This is just clue to clue to clue on your quest to find something, and it's all kind of intermingled and... and wishy-washy kind of all about and comes together like a nice jigsaw puzzle at the end yeah um it's clever to write something like that i mean it's a obviously ridiculously well-versed story structure but it's always clever to write something like that that does have so many kind of intricate little details yeah within it and to have it all actually make sense because this isn't adapted from anything is it this is an original kind of movie national yeah. treasure the first it might one. be based on things but it's pretty based original. on history yeah. sure it's yeah. based mm -hmm. on conspiracy sure but it, it's it's an originally written movie um i do think it's very i think it should be applauded for for having all these tiny little historical details in it yeah um that all end up making sense in the final kind of realization of where the treasure may be and how to get it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I appreciate it from that point of view. And to be honest with you, Book of Secrets, the second one, does that as well. My, I don't have an issue with National Treasure Book of Secrets. I think it's very, very close to being as good as the first one. I just think it takes that believability and, 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 and pushes it a, a step too, too far. Much. Yeah, it gets a little too too far-fetched in terms of even the action and, um, you know, the clues and, and what they're yeah. able to accomplish getting into the and I'll be honest with you and as getting well, into, you know. 
the the finale of Book of Secrets is the closest to Indiana Jones that either of these two movies actually ever feel. You know, yeah. when they're really in that final, I mean, spoilers for God's sake, but when they're really in that treasure room. Yes, with and like the spooky traps and yeah. It's so Indiana Jones like. <laughs> yes, very much. It feels like such an older place than it is because obviously this is you know the u.s and built by settlers within the u.s who have only been there for a few hundred years not yeah. a couple of thousand years like something like an indiana jones you know rages of the lost ark and you're going down into cairo and finding something that's thousands upon thousands of years old yeah um, going through things that are thousands and thousands of years old. These we're talking hundreds, and yeah. barely a couple of hundred at most most of the time. Um, which is, I just like how they they. I suppose I like the production design of the treasure locations, yeah. and to be honest with you, the 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 first movie does that as well. I think the first movie is very clever in how it kind of tricks you um, right at the end. Oh, yeah. It, just mm -hmm. has, it leaves you one last little clue to figure out. Yeah, because you think when they're stranded, you that... think there's nothing, they've gone into the room and it's, there's no treasure there, and then we kind of take that next step further. Um, so, yeah, make I you do, want I to become like a treasure hunter. But I know. I think, I think these movies would have done good. <laughs> yeah, but I think these movies would have done good in probably making people want to look into US history and look into American history. And I think it's a it's a fascinating period of history because so much happened in really so little time. Yeah. You know, an entire major world nation was formed in such a short space of time, obviously full of chaos, continues to be full of chaos. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. <laughs> up to the present day, as yeah. we all know. But it's so interesting to read about and hear about and watch about how those things happened. I think these movies are wonderful. That's what I mean. I think they're wonderful for history lovers. Um, because you, you, you find so many little nuggets that you might have, whether you learnt about them in history class as, a, as an American student, you know, but you might have heard about these things but never really gave them much thought. But then you go and watch this Nick Cage Disney movie and all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, is that really <laughs> what it was? Like, I'm interested now. Go and buy a book. Reading it, it, it opens more people up to wanting to know about these kind of things. Rock. <laughs> Sure. Well, <laughs> I so I, I I like them from that point of view, and I think they're genuinely good action adventure movies. I was yeah. quite pleased. I thought I I especially thought the second one might be a little bit bland and boring and and kind of nothing. I thought I would feel virtually nothing from it, but I ended up really liking it almost equally as much as the first one. I really do think the first one is 
a wonderful example of of a more modern action adventure movie okay. based around history. That's what I mean. I think it's it's as close to Indiana Jones as you got. It's a better Indiana Jones movie than the fourth Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You know, um, it, I yes. think it is. Yes, I think it definitely combines the aspects of of something like an Indiana Jones, but really delving into some real historical things uh, that might intrigue you to want to go and learn more about, which I think is really fun, especially for younger people and older people who maybe forgot about the history they learned in school yeah. and, and don't really feel the need to kind of go back and look at it. And uh, it really kind of uh, piques your interest because I was never a huge, you know, history buff in school like there were certain aspects of history i was interested to learn about but um a lot of it wasn't really something i i you know kept to memory uh so in watching something like this and and uh finding that avenue of entertainment <laughs> in, in in kind of bringing history to light i think it is really fun to make you want to go back and and really delve into the real aspects of what they're talking about in the movie. Yeah, there was a time when my kind of fondness for learning history in school fell off. And really, because all throughout primary school, so, you know, up, you know, from the age of four till 11, I remember always really loving the the history you focused on each school year i always because we did an entire period of time or a, an ancient people or, or whatever yeah. for an entire term right mm -hmm. so it would it would be really it'd be really well focused and it would just open you up to knowing about that sort of stuff when i fell off wanting to do history class and I ended up not choosing it for one of my kind of exam options at school. Yeah. Even though I really do like it, it was because of, of the way the, the the actual school subject of it is and the way that's kind of pulled across, the way you have to write exams in, you know, about history and history oh, okay. and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. I, I didn't love i kind of just wanted to know know it understand. yes but to have to kind of put it in a structured context kind of sucked the fun out of I it i didn't mind you. putting it in a structured context it was all these kind of things like why is this better than this and it was two of the same thing it was just somebody saying it and somebody else had a picture it was just like well this picture's better because it's a picture like and this isn't it doesn't make sense to me like just tell me things i'll remember things and then i'll reiterate the things yeah you know and come to understand like i from this we can conclude that perhaps um you know henry the eighth was a horrible person obviously but you know what i mean like that sort yeah. of stuff i'd be into but we always ended up doing 20th century stuff as well like it was obsessed with the second world war it was like there's only so much of it you can take before yeah. you're just like please teach me something oh, about something else now yeah i don't want to know any more about the second <laughs> world war please stop yeah. showing me all these horrible images yeah teach me about something older and i was always into learning about 
older things in okay. history anyway. Which is weird, because I really do like learning about American history. Which, as I've said, isn't obviously isn't obviously that old American written history. Yeah. Um, and we did do terms focused on that sort of stuff. And it, it was very, very interesting to me. Um, but I always preferred... I mean, my... A real favourite period of history for me, and I think it's because I'm, you know, from where I'm from as well, Yeah, is kind of Saxon Britain. Okay. So, yeah. the, you know, the like the various supposedly seven kingdoms of Britain, you know, of England. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Before it was England. Um, and from about the years sort of 500 from the fall of the Roman Empire and to basically British people or Britonic people just being random settlements all over the place with kings of certain areas that were constantly just fighting against other there was no order whatsoever yeah. to anything um, to kind of crafting the order through the next sort of 500 years before William the Conqueror came and and basically turned modern or turned England into England. Yeah. Um as as you know in the mass you know the biggest step of of doing that unified those ancient kingdoms um properly like because there was still a little bit of fighting and was anybody was alfred the great really the first king of england people say he was but <laughs> yeah. was it real was he really because there was still people kind of going well we we're not really gonna look at you so it's all that kind of stuff that is my that is one of my most favorite times to to read about to learn about well, that's um, good. We have a, a very, very intriguing time. Good. Then we have a, a Saxon German character in this movie. Um. We do. We do. Diane uh, Kruger. Diane Kruger's really good in this movie. Actually. Yes. And I love her like patriotism. The fact that like, uh, you know, Riley's like, oh, so you're not American. She's like, yes, I'm American. I just wasn't born here. So, you know, her pride in kind of... Uh, immigrating and coming over here and you know uh really technically not though you know <laughs> you know what i mean don't disagree you know, with Riley. She, she's, she, she's gotten her citizenship and uh really uh pays a lot of respect to a lot of the history of america and uh, all of that so you know i like having a character like that who has that kind of perspective and seeing her kind of um it's because that's your perspective, isn't it, Janine? It's because this is what you feel. I mean, not necessarily. I'm American, but not actually American. Essentially. Well, I mean, she is like, I am American. I'm not American. I just live here. But this is what you feel. Is this why? I mean, essentially, I mean, there's a lot of things about American history that are, are interesting. I mean, but it is a very difficult and, and uh, complicated yes. and a lot of the time terrible uh history so you know i don't have an a, a, as an idealized look of, of american history and pride in it as like she does um but i understand people who do uh, um so yes i just like having a character who is not you know 
born of America, really, you know, being in here and, and knowing just as much about it, if not more than people who are born here in American and has this really a similar um, pride in, in the positive aspects of American history, like Benjamin Gates. So she can be a really interesting contemporary while bringing a different perspective. Um, So we meet her after, um, you know, we do go find the Charlotte in the middle of nowhere in the snow. And once Benjamin figures out that the next step is to find this map on the back of the uh, Declaration of Independence, um, Ian wants to steal it because he's like, you know, well, I, you know, before I was doing things like this, I had like shady dealings. So I could, you know, get a team together and, you know, steal it. And, um, you know, obviously if they steal it, there's no way they can actually like put it back. So he would just probably destroy it after finding the map on it. And Benjamin Gates, obviously very much in love with, you know, artifacts of history is totally against this. Uh, So, Ian just kind of strands him and Riley there, kind of leaving them for dead, essentially, and because they're just going to uh, stop him from finding this next step. Yeah, I mean, that's how that first movie kind of... So that's how it kicks off. It into... Yes, so then Benjamin finds himself in a situation where he has to steal the declaration so that Ian doesn't steal it and destroy it and destroy this, like, yeah. important piece of history. Um, but so then ends up wanting to you know, look into yeah. it and find the treasure yes. for himself. But he doesn't want to destroy it. Ian will, because, like, how is he, you know, he doesn't want to figure out how to how the process of, like, putting it back. But they do, before they even get there, they try to go to all these different government agencies and warn them that the declaration is in danger. Somebody knows, he has information that somebody has a plan to steal it, and nobody believes him. So then he ultimately meets with um, Diane Kruger, who works, you know, at the museum and everything and and works where the declaration is and tries to warn her and she doesn't believe him either. So have that's when they have be, to... Have you, ever, have you ever seen the Declaration of Independence? I have not. No, I have. I went to Washington. I went to D.C. I, I, yeah, I've looked never... in that little glass cabinet. I went to Washington, D.C., but I we stayed in a very kind of... My sister was a part of History Day, where you, uh, you know, have a board or a diorama or you do oh, a performance okay. as a character. And so my sister was very much, you know, student body president and, you know, overachiever ah. high school person. <laughs> <laughs> so she did history every year. And she did one where I think, I don't know if she was like Sojourner Truth or something like that. And she did like a whole performance for History Day. And she did so well that it took her to the to, to Ooh, the okay. Washington, D.C., whatever. And so we just kind of stayed around there. So we didn't actually like go looking around anywhere or anything. But so, yes, I, I've never really, you know, been Philadelphia or Washington, D.C. to actually see a lot of the these big historical artifacts. But um. I mean, they 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 are very very interesting to kind of see and 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 you know have have them talked about while you're there, you know, by tour yeah. guides or whatever while you're there, like in Philadelphia Independence Hall. I, I've been in there, you know, the Liberty Bell, yeah, um, and all that kind of stuff. All the you, places you they go in this movie, <laughs> yeah, a lot of the places they go to in this movie, um. You know, that corner in New York City where they end up. 
Uh, is it Wall Street and Broadway? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here at the you know wall, where the church is. Clue. Yeah. Um, I've, so, yeah. I've, I've been there in my time in New York. I've, you know, it's it's nice to... It's nice to See, know, how, yeah. Even what in a was silly there, movie like this, and all, yes, you know, and what was there at those times, movie. and 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 you know that these real places exist, and they're like I said, working the real life history into kind of this heightened fantastical bit of of a fun and adventure. Um, so, I've yes, never been so to the, Mount Rushmore though, which is where the yeah, me neither. In the um, in the second, no, me neither. Um, which just makes me <laughs> curious to see how you feel about a the movie team america world police <laughs> i never ever want to watch that movie by the way you should i, I, I find wonderful. it an, i find i find the whole genre of that comedy obnoxious that's no, why I don't, I don't like south park it's i just don't like it, it i'm so not a huge fan of south park aggressive. either but that movie is just like because it's making fun of famous people it's like very much exaggerating these ridiculous stereotypes but it's like uh, like the set design in in the their when they go to different places around the world, it's basically this team who like destroys all these places, thinking that they're helping and saving the day, and you know they'll go to all these different places around the world and just play into like the worst stereotypes because it's just this huge satire of everything, making fun of America, making fun of America's view of things. So like they go to France and like in the set design the cobblestones on the floor are made to look like croissants. <laughs> Isn't that actually what happens at the beginning of National Treasure Book of Secrets when they go to London and it's the most ridiculous array of 10 minutes of stereotyping you've ever seen in your entire life to the point where Nicolas Cage... And credit to Nicolas Cage in the first movie... When he tries to never, like, cause a disruption at Buckingham Palace... <laughs> Nicolas Cage in the first movie never quite goes full Cage. But in yes. the second one, he does. And he's putting bit. on a performance within the movie, but it allows him to go full Cage, and he starts throwing out all these horrendously <laughs> stereotypical <laughs> British sayings. Yeah. <laughs> and I was I was sat there watching yes, the movie, shaking I was my head, Jimmy. <laughs> waiting to see how you felt about that um, i really really was this <laughs> this is also probably what slightly puts me off the second one as opposed to the first because <laughs> they're very much mocking the british a little bit but um <laughs> but like even all the british characters are just like so ridiculously stereotypical in how <laughs> they're speaking and everything like that he's like oh hello have a had a little bit of a drink, have we? It's like, nobody speaks like this. This is not Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. Stop talking like that. <laughs> that is nobody London. That London is the UK in like films. UK and UK in films is London is the only place that exists. There's or I've some not... little cottage town. Like <laughs> I, I, I know, but I've not even got any national pride, and I just find it ridiculous that to have this this movie is an offender of the stereotyping of the uk it um, really is <laughs> but yes uh we do visit and so yeah just team america reminded me because their base of operations is in, in, in mount rushmore in that movie um well mount rushmore's always come across as unfortunate for me anyway because it's a older native american sacred 
mountain that, that they, they decided put a bunch to, of Americans. In. Was it the Lakota? <laughs> and they the Lakota's Black Hills, and they just decided, oh no, we'll use it for. I mean, if, if National Treasure Book of Secrets would have you believe it's done as a cover up for ancient treasure. Yes. But probably what it was was just we hate Native Americans. This Let's put our own little... faces on it. Yes, claim. <laughs> because um, people are terrible. Yes. Um so, so yeah. Do I actually ever want to go to Mount Rushmore? Maybe not. <laughs> probably not. It's also in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and nothing's <laughs> around it. Yes. So, so you can't I, exactly I also go. I've never been there. <laughs> You can't exactly go quickly, can you? To, no, to somewhere like I, Mount Rushmore. I, I, I want to say it's probably a bit of a trek. Um, but we also, you know, learn about like the Statue of Liberty that's in um, in France, which like oh, that's I, right. Know, yes, we do. You know, a lot of people don't know about. Um, and the twin desks, you know, that's what takes them to to London. Yes, um, this is the second movie, Twin Desks from from the Resolute Desks, mm-hmm. HMS Resolute. Yeah. Um, one one of which is in the Oval Office, one of which is in Buckingham, Buckingham Palace. Palace. Yeah, so fun little things like that I think were fun to discover. Also, just <laughs> the fact that, like, phones didn't really have decent cameras, so he had to, like, hold up this piece <laughs> in a traffic light. Yes. Um, I mean, this is... When is, so... when is this? Because that was in the second movie, wasn't it? I mean, the second yes. movie was 2009? Yeah, so like, do we really not have phone iPhones cameras? were there? <laughs> yeah, so do we really not have phone cameras? That like, that's what he had to do. Because yes, yeah, so the second film takes place where you know, obviously, first film, which we <laughs> kind of just bypassed a bunch of stuff because Morgan was <laughs> delving into his love of history, which I just I thought to... <laughs> this was a more rounded episode than just going through the movies. I thought we were having a history. Yes, discussion. no, I no, I, I I agree. Um, but obviously, treasure found. Gates name has been you know elevated and now they are honoring their descendant uh in you know some museum or something and and honoring them as part of history and I think they're making like an exhibit for them but here comes Ed Harris as our villain who is putting shame on the Gates name because he had family telling him that uh their ancestor actually helped potentially mastermind the death of or the assassination of president lincoln so now yes, but this... also ed harris reveals that his ancestor in the movie was a former confederate general who was a great man so yeah so can we, we want to trust him much of what he says anyway <laughs> yes. so do we really want to trust ed harris who loves his confederate relative especially um, when he's half talking like mitchum in night of the hunter with this ridiculous draw draw yeah so now it becomes a case of uh, the gates family having to clear their ancestor's name and uh there's also another treasure involved as well um, there is. So, this one's Native American treasure, apparently, though, isn't it? It's got yes. elements of that in it. So now it's kind of this competition to, with um, Ed Harris to kind of stop him. And he has his own kind of clues and things from his family. That So at a certain point, they end up kind of having to work together. Um, and I think Which they he... do at the end of the first movie, really, with, with Sean Bean, don't they, to, in order to get down. Because they, they need to go. Obviously, in that church, they get, yeah. get into that tomb 
within the but church. But they're able to kind of trick him and make him it. think there's a different clue. And so he goes off to find yes. that only for them to have tricked him. But, um, they bluff him. Yes. So, yes, in this second movie, um, it's kind of this race to find these clues to help clear their ancestor's name. Um, and also lead them to, they have to prove he, you know, is telling the truth. So they have to kind of find more clues and also find this treasure to prove, you know, uh, that what they're saying about their relative is, is true. Um, so there's a certain point where they find something in the resolute desk in the Buckingham palace, this wood plank that has some symbols on it that they need to figure out the next clue. And, um, and Harris is chasing them. <laughs> so yes. uh, in order to get him off their trail, they throw the wooden plank out and in, into the ocean, into the ocean under the, the river or whatever. And, but they, in order to have a copy of the, of the wood plank themselves, they speed through a light so that the traffic light will take a picture of it for them. And that's what they use to kind of analyze it later, which was just funny to me because I'm like, really, you don't have a phone that can just take a picture of it. You have to like speed and get a ticket. Like, but you if you don't, the then it's quick camp. thinking. It's more yes. quick thinking from. So ben it's just Gates. a thing to make him look more intelligent. But like now, <laughs> watching it back, it's like that's a fair. You really point, didn't yes. have a phone camera. Like that's what you had to do. Um, and then we actually get Helen Mirren in here as a Ben we Gates do. mother, uh, and she's is it a strange relationship with uh, with John Voight, the father? Yes. And she's a big historian and like a professor herself, so she's able to contribute and help in the whole um, expedition. And uh, so it's it's kind of a whole big team effort. Now his dad, obviously, seeing that the Trevor's treasure was real, is now you know his cynical nature has melted away, and he's on board and. Uh, so they've kind of become this team. He's broken up with uh, Diane Kruger um, because obviously we, we see at the end of the first movie. Yes. yes, and so we obviously see Ben be very much a bit of a know-it-all throughout that first movie. So it would very make much sense. so. So it would make sense that part of the reason they broke up was because he was just very much a know-it-all about everything and got very frustrating. So, um, which he definitely would. Yes, but she's very invested in kind of figuring this out. So. Um, it's all kind of this coming together. His parents who are estranged, the two of them who are kind of estranged, and Riley who, you know, he you know, we, we need his techie help as well. And he... Yeah, he, but he's just the... <laughs> but he's floundering he's, as well because his founders finder's fee that he got from finding the treasure, they all got like millions of dollars from finding this treasure. So they didn't benefit off the treasure. They did the Indiana Jones thing and let the treasure be, you know, put in museums and uh, all of that stuff, but they did get a finder's fee, which was like a couple million dollars, like five million dollars or something like that. So he gave it to some investor who stole it all <laughs> or like invested it in something that went under. So then he had to pay taxes on it. And so he lost all his money. So Riley's not doing great, but they recruit him because obviously they need his help for all the techie aspects of, of things. So it's a whole kind of team effort. Um, more than the first one so the first one we did have that but it was kind of it's very um, true but now we have the mom coming in and so it's like this whole kind of family affair type thing which i think is fun. you know who i like in in both of these movies though is harvey Keitel. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> who is our fbi director essentially or our lead kind of fbi uh agent who is 
who follows Ben Gates, because obviously a lot of what Ben Gates does and the team of people doing these movies is incredibly criminal activity. Yes. So he, you know, Harvey Keitel's there to kind of half be a bit, I I kind of understand what you're doing, but you are committing massive crimes. Crimes, so I have to. I know kind why of call you you're out. doing it. I'm going to maybe help you at some points over the course of both. Yes, movies, but I but need also, to. Also, somebody needs to get arrested. <laughs> exactly. So I like him kind of really being on his side a little bit, trying to be a bit understanding, but also trying to do his job. So I think you yes. do need a character like that to obviously regulate because i mean it would feel way too far-fetched if they're just running around doing all of these things and um and no you know, no, no type of law enforcement is is involved and i love yes, the aspect that um when harvey keitel does get involved in in the situation in the first film after the declaration has been stolen um his you know the, the lower officers have to kind of come to him and be like well we did actually get a tip that it was going to be stolen and they're like well do you have the paperwork on that oh we never filed a report <laughs> so then they just look dumb because they didn't even take it seriously and then it actually happened so i liked i like that he's already feeling like i'm surrounded by incompetence and i think that already is yeah. something that maybe is what gets him to side with benjamin gates knowing that he actually tried to to warn them so you know there must be something good in his intentions if he tried to you know why would he yeah. tell on himself so i think both, that's the both, thing both that helps movies him. there is yeah there is so good one, in their intentions yes so once you know he does find the treasure in the first one and you know all his motives are revealed and they do actually arrest somebody ian in the first one um he's kind of way more on benjamin gates side um and, and and open to helping him in a lot of ways in the second one. So I like I like having a character like that, which you know may feel on surface kind of unnecessary, but I think you do need a character like that in a movie like this. So I think he works in both of the movies. Yeah, and you get good development of them in that sequel from a character standpoint and a character story standpoint. None of them feel just regurgitations of what they were doing in the first movie. Even Ben Gates, who is, yes, okay, being a history know-it-all again, but he feels more, a little bit more weathered, a little bit more kind of, he's also doing it for... His family almost, name, and, and that's... From his, for his family name, for, yeah. for saving relationship purposes and for that kind of stuff, rather than just doing it to do it, which yeah. is kind of what it felt like in the first movie. That's a good thing about the second movie. Um, I mean, yes, okay, we do get a kidnapping of the president situation. Which yes, played by Bruce Greenwood, who Bruce I feel Greenwood. like this is like the thirtieth time he's played the president. He's very, he's very presidential looking. He is though, very isn't he? presidential. Um, so yeah, but I like that he kind of geeks out about history stuff with Ben Gates, and that's kind of what gets him to, to. Uh, follow him and find this map and because he has to ask him about he finds out about this president's book that all the presidents get that have all these kind of different uh theories and myths that are you know proof that all those things are kind of true the book of secrets yes yes the book of secrets haha -ha. uh roll credits um <laughs> 
So uh, he has to kind of get the president alone to ask him about it because no president won't admit, you know, that this thing actually exists. Um, and so I like that, you know, the president thinks he's kidnapping him at a certain point, but he's like, he's like, oh, so you're going to hold me hostage and you won't let me out of here until I tell you where it is. And he's like, no, you can go out that way. I'll show you. So like he's proving himself to be, you know, again, proving his motives are true to to these very important people so that they can kind of see what this means to him. So I like that he's able to really have, you know, Nick Cage is very much able to portray this, this very likable, trusting, uh, passionate person um, to, to these people and appeal to them in a certain way so that he can, you know, get to the next step. So yeah, his, the little bond that bringing... he makes. Yeah. The, the little bond he makes with the president in this short time, I think is really nice. It, it's almost bringing the, rather likable genial side of nick cage and mixing it with the obviously more famous eccentric side of nick cage but yeah. merging them pretty well together yeah in this movie you know in these in both these movies his most famous movies his most well loved movies are when he's kind of just going for the complete crazy they yeah. are but as we spoke about in the first episode of, of this series, he's very able to play a really good, genuine person. And, a, you know, with a really good heart, who's an everyman. And Ben Gates, I think, is a really good mix of both. Yeah. Because he, he you know, he has the historical eccentricity of and, and drive to do crazy things but is incredibly pure of his intentions that, as we've said, he's literally doing both of the, you know, all these criminal activities that he actually does do in these movies. They're all to result in public good or his own kind of, yeah, yes, ultimately, okay, clear his family name in the second movie, and in the first movie, gain respect that you feel like he probably should have. Yeah. But even even in, in both movies, there is also the element of doing public good, opening culture up that was hidden for yeah. so long and that people didn't know existed. And look at all this stuff now that has gone to museums or has been shared around or people come here and look at it and furthering historical education, which obviously is right up President Greenwood Street. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So he kind of likes that. Yeah, I love movie. Yes, I love having a bunch of characters here that are really excited about history. Like even in the first movie, when they actually have the declaration and they find these these spectacles and are able to open up the declaration, and then they realize they're in the room where it was actually yes. signed. And I like that little bit. Chills. They did. <laughs> yeah, they made a point to take a moment. Yeah, to to tell you that the last time this was here. It was being signed, and they just and I was it. and I was there thinking I I've been in that I like, room. I've yeah, seen that that's room. very yeah. cool. Not um, with the Declaration of Independence, <laughs> obviously no, not. Also, 
I don't own a souvenir declaration of independence that yeah, you have she... to pay extortionate <laughs> amounts of money yes, for. Yes, I, I liked that it was like very expensive and that like the lady thought he was stealing it. And so, um, you know, he had to actually pay $35 for the actual declaration of independence. Which um, I would pay. I would pay $35 for the actual declaration of independence. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought that Why was it would be here? Thing. I don't. Why, why they would allow me to, to, to do to that and buy that. Here. Yeah. Like, yeah, come and visit the US Declaration of Independence. It's, it's in Manchester. In, in yes. England. Why? Why is he there? It shouldn't be there. What's going on? Someone bought it for $35. Yeah, $35 to serve a souvenir. Um, but no, like I do like that moment. Like I said, the running gag of, you know, Ben and even Abigail, who is his Diane Kruger's character, kind of geeking out, out about stuff and figuring things out, you know, just as fast yeah. as each other. And Riley just being completely lost. But then he has this moment where, you know, they have to be somewhere at a certain time because they're looking at like the time on a hundred dollar bill on the clock tower. And so they know that's the time they have to be at a certain spot and they think they've already missed it. And so then Riley is like, Oh no, we can still make it there. They're like, wait, what, why? And he's like, Oh, well, you know, let me just savor this moment. I know something that both of you don't know. <laughs> Riley's just really excited. And then he tells him, you know, well, daylight savings time wasn't established until such and such time. So technically the time would actually be before. And they're like, what? Oh my gosh. So then you're you a know, genius, Riley. <laughs> Riley. Yeah. So I like that. He Riley gets one moment in both. But in the both in movies, because he, you know, he writes this book about finding the treasure but nobody cares about him they just care about ben gates and only have heard of him so his book's not selling you know he's kind of a loser um but then something in his book actually helps them in the second movie <laughs> so yes yeah so you get um, some more recognition in the second movie as well you get yeah like i a think he fans coming he actually yeah oh, yeah i read your book I want to say the thing he wrote about that helps him was the book of secrets like he actually details like, yeah. about it and so that's what um gets them to yeah. you know go find the president and find it and all of that so you get a little bit of a a hint at a potential third movie that never happened as well don't you at the yeah. end of the second which is um well president bruce greenwood tells ben gates originally about or asks him to remember about a certain page in this book when he's actually revealing the existence of the book yeah um page 47 or something yes, like that. Yes, he's like, can and you take a look at, at that the page end of the and movie, let me know what it's about? Yeah. Yes. At the end of the movie, um, that is reiterated to Ben Gates by President Bruce Greenwood. It's like, did you, you check page 47? Yeah. It's like, yes, I did. Yes, I did, sir. Like, what do you think? It's life-changing, sir. Yeah. It's like, are you going to do anything about it? It's like, I can try, sir. And then we never get a third movie. No. So um, why don't we get a third movie? Did they not? I do don't remember. Well? I think there was a plan to maybe, but I don't know. I, I want to say these movies did well. I mean, they're Disney, and um, I remember the first one being very popular. Um, I, I, I assume this one wasn't as successful as the first one, uh, but I don't think it did bad by any means. I think maybe I don't know. I Not like a, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, which was Nicolas Cage's other big Disney movie. <laughs> oh yeah, that just did not do well. Um, the the kind of early stages of the live action remakes, <laughs> kind of twist on those. I mean, yes. my God, if you're calling that a live action remake, I think you are really 
Scream. Well, I mean, that's what it was based on, that whole kind it of Fantasia It was what it was aspect. based on, yes. But... Yes. Um, <laughs> so actually giving that, like, an actual story that just did not work well. Um, and no. there's a there's but there's a series I think on on Disney Plus a National Treasure so I'm not sure oh that's right yeah I did see I did see what that's that. about but, um uh yeah maybe uh, maybe maybe it actually is about page forty seven of the Book of Secrets and we just haven't watched the we series we just didn't watch it so we don't know if it actually went into that um but yeah I mean I think these movies are a lot of fun it definitely gets you excited about history and and seeing people be excited about history working that into this really adventurous fantastical kind of storyline but it actually feels somewhat plausible because it's based in in real things um yeah the characters are really likable the adventure is really fun uh i think it's really um a smart way to do a movie like this so uh, i just I really like these that movies. you i just like that you chose these two for uh, a double feature for this series really because yes okay i've watched quite a few of or near enough all of cage's most famous movies but there was a handful you could have picked that were something like this that were kind of more what we would consider typical cage yeah i could have gone with you know peggy sue got married moonstruck um yeah. Even Ghost Rider, if you wanted to get ridiculous with no. it. Um. Yeah, and you could have done. I've never seen Ghost Rider. But you, you, you chose National Treasure, and again, it's showing, like I said, it's it's variation of him as an actor. I think next week, to round out the series, we are getting the most Cage version of Cage and the most... <laughs> cage aware version of cage yeah like the layers and levels of of our final nick cage movie is going to be a lot of fun and a great culmination of cage movies yes and i think you know a great way to go into uh watching uh renfield that comes out this month so uh yeah (laughs) yeah because this i think will be his kind of biggest mainstream thing that he's done in recent times because i think a lot of the things he's been doing recently have been smaller things and independent things and yes he's kind of gotten a lot of accolades for but um keeping it very keeping it kind of low-key uh for the most part so yeah probably not i'm trying to think of what the last thing will be i know he's done some animated voice work and stuff like um, that spider-man into the spider-verse and he was um, in the, he's he's the dad I think character in the Croods movies. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, Renfield probably is his most mainstream movie in in a, in a fairly long while. Yeah, I mean, Unbearable Weight I think was very much in uh, riding that line of mainstream and independent because it was very this kind of quirky idea, and I don't know that a lot of people you know I think there was a lot of buzz around it because he was playing himself in this really kind of interesting yeah. exaggerated version of himself, but I don't remember it really doing kind of you know having a big impact, even though I think it probably should have because I think it was a really fun idea. For I think the movie. a lot of people liked it. I mean, yeah, that's the movie I think we are going to be. T- yes, that I is the movie we are going to be talking about next. Yes, week to, to but a very out. kind of mainstream populist type movie for everyone you know i think has been yeah there hasn't been 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 a little bit yeah yeah for a long while 
So yeah, and, that's kind of where, where this series kind of spawned from. So I think having seen this eclectic mix of films from him and then going into Renfield where he's doing the most, <laughs> uh, I think we'll, we'll make it that much more. Well, uh, uh, yeah, we'll make it that much more of a fun viewing experience. So I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. And Renfield, by the time this episode comes out, yeah, it will have Renfield come has come out. We will have seen yeah. it. Yes. Um, which is, is, is exciting, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yay for Dracula movies that look actually <laughs> pretty fun and good. Yeah. And don't try and take themselves necessarily too, too seriously. seriously. Yeah. Um, but also clearly just have a love for that type of character, that world, the, 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 the world of Dracula. The but maybe uh, I'd also recommend... Dracula. And so that's why I also kind of thought potentially about doing Vampire's Kiss. I've never seen it, but I know it's this weird movie where he's being very kind of crazy and has very a cage. lot of memeable moments. And he is a guy who thinks he is turning into a vampire, but he's really not. He just thinks he is. So he's acting yeah. very weird and strange and Dracula-like. So I think this would that would also be a fun thing to maybe watch for the first time before going into Renville. It would have been, but, but look what we had last week. Look what we had last week. We had Raised in Arizona, which was pretty crazy cage. Yeah. Pretty out there. So I, I'm glad we got some of it. Yes, but I think Vampire's Kiss could be an independent watch that, you know, we watch on our own for side homework. And... Quite possibly. Quite <laughs> yeah. possibly. Well, there we go. I do think, Janine, for this week's episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen. We've been talking the National Treasure movies and a little bit of random interest through throughout history, I suppose, or of history. Yeah. Um, which is always very exciting and does resort me to waffling and, and kind of falling over my own words <laughs> and that kind of stuff. No, it that's does. Okay. No, I, I, I it, liked you kind of getting get into your favorite excited. parts of history. I'm more of an art history person. So. Um, oh, yes, but nobody you know. cares about. <laughs> Alfred the Great, really. A handful of people. Sure they do. <laughs> a handful of people care about Saxon Britain. You know. Well, you do, and it's our show, so you do whatever you want. <laughs> All you just need to do is just go to the castles. Go to the castles, go to the old uh, monasteries and things like that, the ruins that are around Britain and learn about how they came to be, you know, over a thousand years ago. And, well, the castles, really. Castles were a Norman thing, so that's not necessarily over a thousand years ago. But the Saxon monasteries <laughs> and that sort of stuff is. Well, they are. The castles, castles weren't really a thing in Britain before William the Conqueror. Because castles are really a Norman thing. You sound like a history professor. But no, it's, it's, that's and if just, you have, if you're I'm not looking at more, he's dressed. Like, he's dressed like a history professor. As well. I, I'm like, not dressed. I like think a <laughs> he's wearing a turtleneck. He looks very. I don't. I always wear a turtleneck. I don't <laughs> sound like a history professor. Uh, you do. Just, you you sound like you're doing a castle tour. So maybe you should just do tours <laughs> on the side. I don't want to do tours on the side. I'm not knowledgeable enough to be doing. <laughs> well, you sound very knowledgeable. Tours. Maybe it's just the accent. I don't. 
probably is. I'm bluffing my way, really. <laughs> but no, you can go to ruins. Go go to old ruins. Learn about the kind of stuff that was built in in like the six, seven, eight hundreds and things like that. And yeah. it's it's fascinating. It really, really is. It'll get you into it. Um, but like it will anywhere, if you go anywhere, if you go to Rome and look at all the Roman ruins, if you go to Greece and look at all the Greek ruins, if you go to Cairo, you know, it, it will get you into anywhere if you if you want to take that plunge. Yeah. Um, go to London, for God's sake. I mean, look at, you know, the Tower of London and things like that, and, and it will get you into... Probably the history of the last 500 years really, really heavily. <laughs> yeah. Um, but London didn't really exist properly in Saxon Britain. Not really. So you can't go to London for that. <laughs> anyway, oh. that's not important. US history, go to Boston, go to Philadelphia, go to DC, go to New yeah, York. Check out those locations that they visited in the movies. Jamestown, Virginia. Not that they go there in these movies, but you can go there. I've also been there, actually. You know, the little stone with the date on. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, that was, wasn't actually originally put there, I don't think, if I can remember right. It was just like, <laughs> yes, this is Jamestown. It was it's something like 1693 or 1692, and it's the first actual permanent settlement. Oh, okay. Um, but I think that stone was like retroactively put in a long time after. Oh, really? And what and wasn't original, as far as I can remember, it's something like that. Pocahontas, all that kind of stuff. Um, anyway. That's no more. Shut up, Morgan, now, because this is the end of the episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen. We've had fun today talking national treasure. It is not the only show we have on this podcast feed, though we have Monday Madness, which is our topical show, our chilled out show, where we have movie reviews and trailer discussions and news things and often just discussions about various topical things that are going on in the world of movies and tv we play some games we have fun with each other it's usually quite silly that is what it is on monday madness we also have the main show it's a wonderful podcast every friday where we celebrate old movies we show love to them we discover new old movies and we always really love doing that giving some old movies that are perhaps underseen a little bit of a prop up to just yeah. say, look at this one. You know, you know some of the big name ones, but what about Check this one this instead? little one out. It's great. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have you covered on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. We also have the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel where you can subscribe and ding the notification bells on for full video versions of Monday Madness, as well as all the other fun stuff we have over there. We did speak about the Patreon and the donation links before. They are in the description if you would like to join us over there. Or, of course, find the show on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at the Purple Don with A3 instead of the E and the because, Janine. Three is a magic number. 
on Instagram and TikTok at the Purple Dawn. All your history loving stuff is where. You can find me at Janine Devine underscore on Twitter, Janine Devine on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, uh, check the link in the description or search It's Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. And if you want to purchase any of my art in print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. Well, there we go. I'm really unsure as to actually what uh, impression to request today, actually. <laughs> oh, goodness. I mean, how did people speak in, in the in in the uh, colonies I mean, in I don't... the mid seventeen hundreds? I don't know. They probably spoke like English people, to be fair. Perhaps. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Do whatever you want. Three, two, one. <laughs> that fits. Bye. Yay, history. How <laughs> <laughs> was my excited about history? <laughs> didn't sound very excited. <laughs> well, if you know about American history, then you understand. <laughs> it is therefore very understandable. Ha, ha, ha.